0: Bulla.
1: And I'm Marcy Bulla. I'm a writer. And I'm a reader.
0: And this is
1: Bookends, a literary podcast
0: where we talk about
1: books. How you doing? I'm, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you are. I am. I am certainly. Um, it's been a weird couple of months actually for us.
0: About 13 now. Mm-hmm. But like in a, them.
1: in a more specific sense. It's yeah. Been, I, I just came off of my spring break. Um, so I'm feeling kind of refreshed from that. And I was supposed to stay at the parents, our parents' house for a singular night um, because it's it's cheaper to fly to Nashville and then go from Nashville to school, whatever. So it's like, ah, oh, I get to spend a night with the parents. I save money on my flight all as well. Mm-hmm get here um and the night before i flew home don't know if anybody else you know lives in the southeast united states we got hit with horrible weather um this past weekend and our parents got like 18 inches of water uh, in their home our home childhood home Um, lots of
0: fun flooding
1: really i always miss
0: the horrible weather because this happened last february I was at school and the horrible, um, what was it, tornado? Yeah, there was a bad tornado. Came I missed all of it and I missed this as well. And I'm like, just over here, like, wish I could help. I'm in New York, but you're stuck.
1: I just feel like the past three months, every time we've talked, I've been like, I have been near a natural disaster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true. Oh, that is true. Yeah.
1: So it's just been weird uh, because I like was like April's gonna be my month like and it You're still could be it. it's not April yet but March grabbed me and said I'm not done with you <laughs> so <laughs>
0: yeah. see what else I have up
1: my sleeve <laughs> um how are you
0: um I'm okay. I tried to make a dinner for myself tonight. Um, I tried to (laughs) this is so stupid and so deeply a twenty one year old who's never had to cook anything for himself ever a thing to do. But I bought these I bought I bought some canned foods the other day and I was like, I can make these in the microwave, so that'll be fine. Now don't worry. There's no there's no explosion in this story, but I, first of all, I bought a bunch of canned foods, did not buy a can opener, so had to go back <laughs> for that one. I was like, I guess I'll, I was like, oh, I can just use a knife. No, you cannot. that I don't, number one, no I, no, I cannot. Number two, I don't even have any knives. I only have like plastic utensils because I'm stupid and a little evil gremlin man. And so I did not have a can opener, so I had to buy one. And then... I tried to use it today for the first time and couldn't figure out how to work it. And so I eventually got the sharp part to do it. But I think I did it upside down because instead of cutting like, you know how you're supposed to do it so it gets the like circle bit on the inside. Yeah. I cut off just like the first eighth of the can. (laughs) So I did end up getting the carrots inside of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but not in the way I was supposed to. Ow. And then I didn't even eat the carrots because they were so bad. I don't know. Why would you get I was like, carrots? I'm gonna Fresh cut my Fresh carrots are up.
1: so cheap.
0: I don't know. Well, cause I got I got like a bunch of like the stuff that we usually eat at home for like vegetable dinner, whatever. Cause we're vegetarian, like green beans and corn and can- and and the carrots and just you know whatever whatever whatever. And I only wanted the carrots. And then I didn't even eat the carrots (laughs) because they were so deeply bad. So there's a a version of this story where I had to go to the hospital because I cut my hand open on the side of that can. Like, got very close to it. I also almost spilled all of the carrots onto my floor, which would have been a lot. But other than my carrot escapades, I'm okay. I'm in school as you are. Just got... Through midterms. And every three weeks, I have the thought, I could just drop out. Because my career is technically, I know, I'm way too close. But I do, I do just like have a moment where I'm like, I could just not be here anymore. It's okay. I
1: turn to my roommate at least once a week and I look at her and I go, why am I not just like a wedding planner? I would make a great wedding planner. Why you would make a great wedding myself? planner.
0: You would make a, a great wedding. planner. I think planner. I
1: can make a name for myself as a wedding planner. <laughs> <laughs> like I think I'd be really good at it.
0: <laughs> you have so many like weird small talents that I think are good for wedding planners. You know? I what agree. I mean? Yeah. You'd be I, a good one.
1: I've been planning stupid events since I was very very young. Um, I don't think I've ever mentioned it on the pod before, but at the age of 15, question mark, me and a very close friend, we're still friends, um, spent every single study hall for an entire semester planning, I kid you not, a full week-long day camp for me and my friends.
0: Oh, I forgot about this. Called yeah. Camp
1: There's No Cabin, because there was no cabin.
0: Because it was in our backyard
1: several people's backyards there yes there were venue changes there we had (laughs) t-shirts we had activities games there was a big field trip at the end we had to like get money from everyone like we had a budget to work with there were spreadsheets this was just voluntary we just did this
0: Meanwhile, I'm in charge of my, I'm like the co-president of my college's um, Pride Club. And we were trying to plan an event for tomorrow where we literally just go into a room and eat food and watch a movie. And I was like,
1: uh,
0: um, what if, oh, what if we did this time? And just like, so just <laughs> nothing. Like, tell, now tell yeah. people to come to it, please. I please have... show up
1: what you would say in a resume are strong organizational skills. <laughs>
0: <laughs> one would say you are above intermediate in terms of those.
1: Yeah, I would I would say I'm above intermediate on those. I also like did a lot in college, but I think Camp There's No Cabin is one of my greatest accomplishments because like there was no pressure to do it. Like yeah,
0: you did not need to do it. You just wanted to. We
1: just wanted to do it. And you know what? She's in law school now. I'm in med school. So I think that probably was a good predictor that we were going to like do things with our lives. But yeah, my God, were we not psychotic?
0: (laughs) You guys had so much fun. I remember watching you and all of your friends in high school and being like, I wish I could just like go to waterfalls with my friends and like, it takes having with them.
1: friends that have initiative. Like, that stuff yeah. doesn't just happen. You have to have, like, two friends in the group who are willing to just send a text and say, hey, guys, we're doing this.
0: <laughs> yeah. I could be that person if I tried, but I'm too busy playing Stardew Valley. So, what do we have for today?
1: So, today we are going to be reviewing, I'm very excited about the review we have a whole thing before the review but we're going to be reviewing infinity reaper by adam silvera um, in the second half of the pod but we are actually going to start um, sort of a new segment theme that i have been wanting to do for a while and i've just been waiting for the timing to make sense um we haven't really capitalized so far on the fact that gray is a writer despite it being Part of our whole
0: shtick, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's like the whole shtick, right? Yeah. Um, you are our whole shtick.
0: Uh (laughs) You're welcome.
1: So, we haven't really been taking advantage of that just because his writing has been pending for so long because it's a slow process. Um, but he officially has his book announcement out. Um, and while I think it's still a little early for us to talk about the book in specifics, um, I did want to have more of an interview style segment, um we can come up with a fun name later. Uh so this is called insert fun name here. Um
0: that's a funny name, insert fun name here.
1: You're gonna cut it out and it's gonna be your voice saying Deadpan. Name <laughs> we decide on later. Okay. Um and I just wanted to talk to you, Gray, uh, because you are now officially like a real writer with a big boy job you've gotten a paycheck for writing now so that means that like you've made it um I just wanted to talk to you about kind of the beginnings of the writing process for anybody that is listening that is curious about it like is curious about the industry doesn't really know anything about it or where to get started you know someone who has maybe thought for a long time like oh I'd like to I'd like to be an author I'd like to have a book published but just is very overwhelmed um And I kind of want to talk about your story because you, I feel like from at least my point of view, everything in your writing life, you just kind of went for. Um, Yeah. You just kind of did it. And I think that people could benefit from hearing about how you were like, I think, kind of your own advocate and your own, like you were willing to put yourself out there. Um, You know, we didn't. You didn't really know anyone who was a writer before you got into it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I very broadly wanted to kind of start the interview. We've sort of talked in bits and pieces about it before, but I thought I was going to ask. I always know the answer because I'm your sister and... I was there for the whole time. Um, (laughs) But for anybody who doesn't know, um, I kind of, what, what was your actual start? Like, how did you figure out that this was something that you wanted to do? Um, What kind of led you towards writing a whole novel? You know, you didn't stop at Mm -hmm. fan fiction or short stories. Like, what, what made you realize, like, I want to write big, long form works like that?
0: mm-hmm um well sometimes I stretch the truth and say that I'm when I was like eight I was like ma blah, blah, blah I'm gonna do eight-year-old things and write a little book and that was when I was like oh I'm gonna be a writer um which is like kind of true in that like I do remember writing these books on word in our on our shared computer room computer <laughs> um with the like huge, like seventy-two font fun transitions because I just liked playing around with Word because like using a computer was new and exciting and interesting as an eight-year-old. Um, but like honestly it's because I started writing fan fiction when I was like ten and I just never got over doing that. And then when I was in high school, I started thinking about well, okay. I started thinking about what it was that fanfiction was doing for me and what it was that I wasn't getting from the things that I was writing fan fiction for that made me want to write any of it at all to begin with. And the things were the characters and the feelings. And um, I was like, I think I want to make stories for people, and I want to make characters that stay with people for a long time, and I, I want to base basically I want to write something that other people want to read to write fanfiction for, like I want that to be an act that we are doing together because it is like I a relationship that. between you know the creators and the and the mm. fan creators, and um so I actually was like before I was like I'm gonna be a novelist and I'm gonna write young adult books. I really wanted to. Um, be, like, an animator. And so I went, like, back and forth um, in late middle school and early-ish high school between wanting to work on cartoons um, for shows like Avatar The Last Airbender and, like, Steven Universe and stuff, between wanting to do that and wanting to just write books. Um, For reference, you
1: have actual, like, visual artistic talent as well. I don't think we've ever mentioned that, that you, like, draw
0: yeah I do a lots of drawing I tried writing several web comics did not take off but because I I eventually realized after like playing with forums that like the one that is the most natural to me is a book um even though I've got my fingers in a million different little pies (laughs) um I mean we literally we have a podcast I do poetry I have a poetry book I just did an album with our dad um (laughs) like I have, I do still want to eventually write for a cartoon um, or a television show. Like that is still th- something that I'm like, think is cool and I'm interested in. But the one that like I kept returning to was prose fiction. Um, and so then I, when I decided I didn't want to be at the public high school that I was at for, our, for my freshman year, uh, the one that you were at, I was like, well, I'm going to go to this art school and they have a recently developed literary arts program. And so I transferred into it and then it just sort of became it it, it allowed writing to be the thing that I did. Like that was it. Um not that I didn't do other stuff, obviously. Yeah. But like Well,
1: you basically got to have a major in high yes. school, which was really great.
0: Yes. And so I was able to do that. Um and then there was this basically like a NaNoWriMo camp but it like is not as affiliated with NaNoWriMo but it's that same concept of like write a book in a month. Um, there is this place um, in Nashville doing it and so I joined it when I was 16 over the summer and I um, wrote the first draft of my book that's published, getting published soon um, and it was very bad <laughs> and very very different from what it currently is because I was 16 years old um and I was pretty sad after that I was like this is what I want to be the thing is I am going to write novels and eventually I'll get my hands into other stuff maybe too but like I want to write books for people and so I just started looking up how do you get published and doing research on querying agents and figuring out how I could get my stuff in the world um And I started querying with this book when I was 17, way too young, (laughs) way too early in the process. But, and I obviously nobody was interested in it, but one agent actually took the time to respond and she did not offer representation, of course, but she said like, this is like, you have something here. And I think it's too early for me to offer representation or anything, but I really believe in you. And I really think that you can go somewhere with this and I really hope that you find an agent who wants this book because like there's a gem in this and I and I remember reading that and being like I wasn't even upset that I'd been rejected because it it felt like such proof that like this is an attainable thing um and then after that it was just like rejection 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 rejection. (laughs) um so I really I really don't know how long I would have kept querying with this book if it weren't for the fact that my first experience with it was someone, a, an adult who was established in the community because I was, you know, 17, telling me, like, you have something that you need to keep chasing. Um, so thank you to that agent. Uh. Um, but yeah, and then I just kept doing it. And then I graduated high school and I was like, I guess I'm going to major in creative writing too because this is, like, my thing. And I did... A Twitter pitch contest which I don't know Marcy you know what that is because you were there for it but um, yes but explain it yeah so basically it is a thing that happens I think twice a year there's like several of them but the one that I was doing was called DV pit um, where authors will go on Twitter and from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. they will tweet a pitch of their book so 280 characters whatever the number is whatever um just very quick and then you tag it with you hashtag it whatever i don't know what do the kids say whatever with like db Pit and with whatever and during that time agents who aren't interested can like your tweet as a way of saying i liked this premise you should query me because i might like the book and i might offer your representation. um and so it's a way for people to like interact and get their ideas out there and get feedback from agents and like editors and see like who's interested in what and like take the initiative to query someone because maybe they liked your tweet whatever um and dv pit is specifically for our authors who are marginalized um but there's also pit mad which is the like more general one um and so i did dv pit and my current agent pete Knapp, uh liked it and I was extremely excited <laughs> because he was an agent that I had had my eyes on, but I was like scared to query him because I was like, he seems too good. <laughs> Basically. I was like, he's yeah. not going to want my book. He's too established. He's got too many things. Um, And also because at that point I was mostly just doing DV to do it. Like I wasn't even like completely convinced that I was going to try and sell my book. Like I was move, I was working on a different project because I'd, I'd given up because I'd gotten so many rejections. I was like, clearly there's something here that is not clicking with people. I need, maybe I need to focus on something else and on a second book and then come back to this one. Um, but then Pete was like, hello, I like this. And I was like, hello, thank you for liking it. Let's, hello. <laughs> so um, that was when I was 19. Yeah, It's
1: when we lived in an apartment together. Um, yes, we did. I don't know if we ever mentioned this, but we used to live, like, my senior year of college, Gray's freshman year, we lived off campus in an apartment together. Um And I remember I loved that apartment. It was, like, the crappiest little it. apartment. It was so bad, and I loved time. it. It was so jank. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so but, perfect for a freshman year experience for me. Like, that was yeah. better than anything I could have. yeah it was been given and
1: it was great for me as a senior because i was like i was like over campus i was done um but i remember you like running into our living room um i can like exactly picture um when you were like this agent liked my tweet (laughs) (laughs) and i was like i don't know what that means but it seems like a cool thing um it's just so wild um how much of your career now is thanks to social media. Like yeah. the idea of finding an agent on Twitter mm-hmm. is wild. Actually, I was going to ask though, um, speaking of agents, could you just give us a quick like two sentences on what an agent even is? Because I think, I don't think the general public has any idea right. of how a book goes from idea to, to publish, so like, what yeah. is an agent versus an editor? How does it play into getting a book published?
0: So there are publishing houses that exist, and they are the people who say, "I I am going to publish this book and put it out in the world." And they have editors. Editors are the people who work for the publishing house who say, "I want so and so's book. I want this book. I'm going to work on this book to make it good for this publisher, and we're going to put this book out into the world. We're going to edit it. We're going to do the cover. We're going to do whatever. We're going to market whatever." Before that you have an agent you don't technically need an agent like you can technically publish a book well obviously you can self-publish but you can technically publish with an editor without an agent however you have to do everything by yourself before you get an editor at that point like you have to do the legal negotiations and all of this stuff and so what an agent does is they advocate for you and they basically ensure that like you are getting the best that you can get for your book, not just like monetarily, but like in terms of who you're working with and like knowing things about the industry. So their job is to know things and to help guide you through um, the publishing process, basically. Um, and also with your whole career, agents are supposed to be for like, like generally, obviously you can, you can leave your, your agent split. I don't know what the word is for it, but like you don't have to stay with the same person your whole career. But usually the idea is I'm not just staying with you for this one book. I want to represent you for your whole career, whatever happens with that. Which is Um, different
1: from an editor, correct? Yes,
0: because an editor works for the publishing house. And so my current editor, um, I got her because, uh, Harper Collins was like, we want your book. And so she's working with me to, with Harper Collins, like as a person who works at Harper Collins to make the book better. And because of the deal that I got, I got a two book deal. Which basically means that HarperCollins not only bought the one that has been released, but they've also bought the next one. Um, so I have an insured second book. Um, and So that means that my current editor will work with me on both of those things because I am publishing both of them with HarperCollins. So, yeah.
1: Very cool. Very confusing, um, to the lay person. Who know <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Why is works? the book not
0: out yet?" And it's like, "Well,
1: it takes it takes some time, um, quite a lot of time." Um, how did your acquiring an agent process differ from, say, the regular process? Or would you say that what you did is sort of becoming the new regular process?
0: Um, so generally, what happens is before the internet, or whatever um there are agents they exist they are they work at a literary agency and you do research in whatever way that means maybe that means you talk to people and you know people maybe that means you look things up um i actually don't really know how you would find this information if the internet didn't exist but that's because i was born in 1999 and so the idea of not being able to google something is like foreign to me but anyway so i don't know what you would do in like the 70s but you find an agent that you're like i think that they would like my book And you send an email to them with your your query, you query them, which is usually like the synopsis of the book, information about it, and then like a little bit of information about yourself. Um, Maybe you put like why you think they would like it. Like maybe you'd be like, because I saw that you're interested in young adult books about knitting, here's my young adult book about knitting. And then you say, (laughs) when Stephanie started knitting, she, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then you, depending on what they put on their website for, like, the requirements, they will either ask, like, for the first chapter, the first, first like, 50 pages. Maybe they don't want anything and they just want the synopsis. And so you put all that information in you send it to them. And then you wait for, like, 600 years. And you send out a bunch to as many agents as you want to. Um, and then maybe someone says, hey, I'd like to read the rest of your book. Please send it to me. And then if I like it, like, I might want to be your agent or you don't get any you know bites and then you go through another round of figuring out what you're going to do so the only real difference between that and and what happened with me was that i had a bit of a leg up because of db pit in that i already knew that pete had an interest um i would say though that like like, Because like, I still had to query him, right? Like, I still had to send him that email and do research on, like, yeah. what does he want and stuff like that. He so didn't the say, main like, difference... I'll represent you based right. on a tweet. Yeah. <laughs> he just said, hey, I like this premise. Maybe I'd like the rest of the book. Um, So the main difference was that leg up, which I think is really... I mean, it's like... It's not, like, magic. You can definitely still get an agent and I would say most people still get agents without anything related to Twitter like you don't have to have any social media presence at all to have a book like it ultimately doesn't really matter but I will say it was helpful in terms of like me as a young writer who was already feeling down having this sort of like basically confidence boost to know that the chances of rejection are a little bit smaller because this person already liked my tweet mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the stats on how many people are, like, getting agents from things like DV Pit and PitMad. I but feel like those I... stats
1: don't exist. No one's tracking yeah. that. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I do know that, like, Twitter's very widely used. <laughs> um, and so I would be surprised if there's not a decent amount of people getting agents through that. Um, but, you
1: know. So kind of related to that, actually... Um... You, so like you said, you submitted your book for query for the first time at like 17, and you got that very kind rejection from uh, that one agent, but mm-hmm. you then didn't find real representation until you were 19, um, so another two years, and a lot of that time, I remember you were spending revising it, kind of taking the notes about how that agent, I think, had said like, this book needs like, just months of revision basically mm-hmm. um but you then had to restart the agent finding process and you got rejected many a time during that and then after you had your agent and once you worked with your agent on the revisions um before submitting it to publishing houses you also had to go through rejections so what kind of advice would you give to you know, people who want to be authors um, about handling that rejection, because you did have to put yourself out there over and over and over again. Um, what was that like for you? How did you get through that?
0: Um, Well, some of it was just like stubbornness, <laughs> like just sort of like, no, I've made my mind up that I'm doing this, so I'm going to do it. Um And just deal with the rejection as it comes. But I think the thing that has been helping me recently, um, in the past, like, couple of years is understanding that it's not personal. And like, just because an agent doesn't want your book does not mean that one, it's bad or two, that other agents aren't going to want it. Because like, we talk about this a lot with our reviews. Everything is just subjective. Everything's just about what you like. There are so many books that I think suck that get published and then get popular. I hate them. I don't think there's anything redeemable about them, but a lot of people do. And so like, just because someone says like, I don't think that I want to offer, like I, I can't offer up representation right now or the more common thing, which is just silence, because people are busy and so like they usually a lot of people won't respond unless it's to offer or to ask for more information or for the rest of the book or whatever um that doesn't necessarily reflect on your worth or your book's worth or your talent as a writer or whatever sometimes it can mean like maybe there's more work that i need to be doing especially if you're getting consistent feedback like hey i think i i like this but this pacing is is rough okay, maybe if five people are telling me that, then maybe I need to work on it. But like, that doesn't, that's not them trying to like tear you down necessarily. And that's not something that reflects on your ability ultimately. Um, I don't know, everything's subjective. Rejection is so hard because it feels so deeply personal, especially with books. And especially like as someone who writes about, Queer things and trans people, there were a lot of moments where I would feel like, okay, cool. They just don't want my book because it's trans. They don't want my book because it's about X, Y, and Z and they don't like that in a book, whatever, whatever, whatever. And that sucks. And it's true a lot of times, not a lot of times, but like there are obviously cases of transphobia and homophobia and whatever because that's the world we live in. But like there are going to be agents that specifically want. Trans stories and queer stories, and like Pete wanted trans stories and queer stories. Like my editor Karen wanted it. Like even if other people don't, that doesn't mean that like I'm not going to find someone who's the right fit. Um, and also you can't control what is happening with that. Like that's probably one of the hardest lessons about publishing. I've not even been in it Mm -hmm. for very long, but like you can't really control everyone else and what's happening. Yeah. You can't control the pace at which people get back to you. You can't control when someone is reading your book or what revision notes they're giving you. You can only control what you write. And so I think for me, that was why when I was like feeling really down about my book, what I did was I started writing another one. Like that was my way of dealing with it was like, I can't make other people like this book because I've done as much work as I think I can, I can do on it right now but I can write something else and I can write something new and I can keep myself busy and I can like be doing things that bring me joy while like I'm waiting basically (laughs) or while I am figuring out what it is that's going on. So
1: that's a really like golden piece of advice right there. Thank you. (laughs) Actually.
0: I'm very, very smart.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You also answered, I had a question because I'm your sister interviewing you, so I knew, like, I didn't have to pull you know a lot of details. I didn't do any research for this interview, no. so I just wrote down some keywords of things I wanted to ask, and I said, "Gays,"
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like in general.
1: I meant it gaze. as like, how do you think being trans and being gay and writing stories about being trans and gay affected your process, if at all. Mm-hmm um but then you you said that <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i can talk on it more actually because yeah. i when i wrote the first draft of this book when i was 16 um i obviously i was already like already knew i was a man i was already transitioning and stuff um but i was like much mm, worse in terms of like sort of internalized feelings about my transness and my gayness and my identity and how palatable I was and et cetera, et cetera. Um and so, uh, Gail wasn't trans. Well,
1: you also hadn't even come out as gay at that point. Yeah,
0: I was still like, I think I like girls sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> Which is deeply not true. <laughs> um yeah, so I, I was like dealing with all these feelings and so Gail was a cis boy, um, because I got it in my head that like I can't write about my identity because nobody will want to read it. Um, and so originally it was just, it was Gail coming to terms with being gay um, as a cis boy. And all the uh, the stuff about his family was the same. Um, that when it comes out, I can obviously, you will read it and you will know what I mean by that. But um, that element of his gender was not there and it actually took me until the revision directly before i submitted to pete um for me to change it to him being trans because i was so resistant to it because i was like if i do this this is either going to be one embarrassing because it's going to be too obvious that he's supposed to be like me because for some reason i got this idea in my head that if i put any element of myself into the book that was like humiliating I don't really know why I had that idea or where it came from.
1: most wild part about this is that at the same time that you were having these thoughts, you have been Nashville Youth Poet Laureate getting on stage sharing deeply personal poetry (laughs) live. Yeah, (laughs) me
0: on stage being like, hello, everybody. Here's all of my trauma. Don't look away from it. Hello. Um, Yeah, so battling those feelings, which is, you're right, that is weird that I was like, I guess maybe in my head I was like, these two places that I write in are different. And so I can't have anything personal in my fiction, but I can have things personal in my poetry, which is weird because now that I've like allowed myself to be more personal in my fiction, I'm not as personal in my poetry. Like I'm able to write about things that aren't directly biographical or autobiographical.
1: You, it's almost Um, like you needed an outlet. And so it's just having an outlet that matters. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But so eventually I was like, fine, screw it. I'm going to make him trans and see what happens. And it was after that that I got people interested. Um, I think there was was an element of the book that was definitely, I feel like, felt like me denying him transness. (laughs) Um, Like, I feel like you could, I don't know if this this is true to you because you read way earlier drafts but that was a million years ago but I could feel it when I was reading back on it I was like there's something missing there's like a hole in this book and I don't know what it is that was filled by his transness once I decided this is going to be about trans
1: well I think it was something not to talk about the book in specifics too but as this may be being a piece of advice to someone writing um, I think the books that I enjoy the most, or not even enjoy the most. So the books that stick with me the most are the ones where you can feel that the author's soul is in it. Um and I think before you made that decision to make your main character have the same kind of identity as you it might have been missing that like spark. Um
0: Yeah. And also just in that like I I feel like I kept insisting like it's like okay that he's gay and not trans because like i'm i'm gay like there there was there was a moment i think in my life where i was like denying my trans identity and just wanting to reject that there is any difference between me as a gay man and a cis gay man like I, I wanted to just I wanted yeah. to be I wanted to be allowed in the community I wanted to be accepted and so it mm-hmm. was like there's no difference between us but like there is and yeah like I am tr- that's another section like an, an intersection of marginalization there that cis men do not have and so my relationship to sexuality is going to be different and like obviously we're both still gay men but like the thing that Gail is grappling with in the book is sort of it it was, it was something that I was dealing with too, but it seems like there was something almost like off about it in that, like, well, why doesn't he just just know that he's gay? Like he's having these feelings. How how is he able to deny himself that he is gay for so long if like X, Y, and Z is adding up? Like, and the answer ended up being because of internalized transphobia and because of these feelings that you have when you're trans about your gender and so there was not a way to separate them because I was trying to put that into it but I couldn't find it out I couldn't find a way to do that Um, and so the book didn't become I think not good I think it was good before but it it's sort of I don't know what the word is
1: it gave it a I think a life to it that wasn't there before
0: yeah, there was a feeling like I was just copying other books I'd read before that, before I I included the parts of it that were what made me want to write it to begin with, but that I was denying myself. Um, which is a long way of saying that Gail wasn't trans in the draft for a long time and now he is, and now it's an extremely trans book. So hee <laughs> hee.
1: <laughs> but as like a takeaway point of like you you had to work through your own perception and self-identity to be at a place that you could even play with putting that into your writing. You you can't put into writing something that you are uncomfortable with acknowledging yourself or living yourself. Not that you were not comfortable with being trans, but like you said, you wanted to just be seen as a gay man. You didn't want the trans label to have to be there. Yeah. Um, And it is something
0: that I'm, yeah.
1: There's a lot we could talk about with I know I see a lot on social media um, of trans people talking about like the idea that you can like love being trans. You don't have to like curse yourself for being trans or like the goal is not to have essentially a cis body. The goal is Mm -hmm. to just be comfortable.
0: In in, what body you do have. In the body you do
1: have with the identity that you do have. Yeah. Um, Which
0: is actually something that um, not to talk more specifically about the book, but like that's something I was thinking very specifically about too in writing other trans characters in it too because Gail's not the only trans character. Um but writing about how you love yourself as a trans person when people are telling you you can't you can't you can't do this. You can't feel this way about yourself. Um yeah, trans joy, trans love, et cetera, et cetera. But um, you know.
1: Well, thank you for talking with us about that. Yeah, thank you Um, for
0: asking me.
1: I I just like hearing about the process and your process. Uh, Writing is something that is so like inconceivable to me as like an art form,
0: which is so weird to me because you like are such a creative person and you're really good at stories.
1: Yeah, I think I am. I think I'm good with words. Yeah. Um, But I just the idea of like a long form narrative with a beginning middle and end is like extremely daunting to me um it's just not i didn't get that gene i do i have other talents and that's all right <laughs> it's, wedding it's okay. planner talents. i'm wedding planner talents um i have other you can come up things.
0: you can come up with a concept though yeah, like nothing else
1: that's true you need
0: to be in a writer's room I think I would,
1: saying. like, love just 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 a couple times in my life. Like, I don't think I would need – I don't need that, obviously, it's my career because I'm not even going into the arts as a career. No. But I would love to just sit in a writer's room and just, like, say ideas.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> just be like, but what if we did this?
1: I do think that comes from my logistical brain, though. I like thinking through problems and solutions.
0: That's true, yeah. So that's
1: why I think I'm good at concepts because I was like, okay, you give me an inch, I can take it to a mile because I like thinking cause and effect.
0: yeah. Um, Which is a skill that's like really hard as like someone who just, I, if I could, I would just write books without any plot. I would just be like, <laughs> and then they're hanging out and listening to freaking, I don't even know, Hayley Kyoko or something. Like, that's like all I want to do in my books. What's interesting Um,
1: is that shows up in our book preferences. I like very plot-driven books. You want
0: stakes to be high. And I'm Mm -hmm. over here like, I really liked when they had a conversation that was funny. (laughs) Like, that didn't move the plot forward, but it was funny. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We have have skills suited to our careers. I, as a doctor, am going to need to be able to think cause and effect. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) All right. Well, that was delightful, actually. Um, Yeah. I enjoyed that. You are, you are always shock me when you turn on your uh, professional voice.
0: Really, because
1: we're usually just idiots together. Yeah, we're just um. chilling,
0: and then I'm like, "Hello, I am an author." That's the Michael yeah. Gray vo- voice, not just the Gray voice. Yeah, yeah, that's Michael Which, Gray. Which <laughs> really quickly, I just want to say the choice to make my author name something different from my normal name was a rough one. I would not change it because I really like Michael Graybola as my author name, but it's very uncomfortable when people who are like they this is not like offensive, but like it's very weird for people on Twitter to call me Michael because I'm like who is that? I don't know who Michael is. Michael is not me.
1: Really wait for when you make friends that are authors and they call you Michael and you get closer with these people and you never correct them that you actually I would never
0: correct them. It took me months to tell Pete that I go by Gray. But I was like the the
1: extension of that is those people then feeling comfortable with you and eventually going, Can I call you Mike?
0: Ooh. Well maybe now I just will like let that happen so that I can have someone calling me Mike.
1: I feel like Mike is your dad, Sona.
0: Oh, it is. Oh, it is. Oh, that's my dad, Sona. Like I've started making, sorry, this sure. is just us as siblings now, but I've started making upset noises the way that our mother does
1: <laughs> in a way
0: that is a, is frightening to no. me as well as everyone else around me. I dropped one of the carrots Please that don't. I almost killed myself with on the ground and went, ah. So ian was like what just happened and i was like i just (laughs) dropped the carrot on the ground
1: we all become our parents it's so upsetting
0: also the fact that like you can't this is not a visual medium but like i have recently recently as in the past like six months decided that i just have a mustache now which our dad has a mustache and i was like damn it just being our dad now i
1: had a similar i've always been more similar to our dad than our mom Um, In a lot of ways, not all the ways. I look just like my mom. I have my mom's face, but thought like thought process wise, my dad and I are very like, um, I took a test the other day online um, that tells you how good you are at recognizing faces. And it turns out I'm only like four points away from being face blind. (gasps) <gasps> Which what? I've kind of always known about myself. Like I'm I'm really bad at recognizing faces. Like when I watch a TV show or a movie, if like characters that don't have really distinct features leave and come back in a different outfit, I, I can't recognize them. <laughs> like I rely I on context I rely on context clues a lot to recognize people that I don't know well. Like obviously if I actually like see you regularly, I know your face because I'm not face blind, but I'm very bad at like, seeing a face and knowing that I've seen it before. I made dad take it. Oh, no. He is also close to FacePoint.
0: Oh, you got it from him. <laughs> and our mother
1: is not. Um,
0: is she bad with names?
1: She's bad with names. But I think it's I'm, more of a, a memory thing.
0: I'm really bad with names, though. And I don't have a memory problem. Oh, well. Every two seconds. So the, this is not relevant, but, like, there's this one guy who's, like, so in the peripheral of, like, my life. But his name is Aaron. And every time anyone says the name Aaron, I go, who's that? And Ian goes, he was your RA last year. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know who Aaron is. I've never met this man, and I have multiple times. But for some reason.
1: (laughs) So just on the note of, like, being our parents. um,
0: I did not know that that was a thing you struggled with.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, I've always compensated by, like, I I can recognize, like, you have the same hairstyle. You're wearing
0: similar mm. things
1: and in real life it's a little bit easier because people have like mannerisms and like and like I voices actually, well i yeah, guess people and have I voices can, in movies too but. That's true. <laughs> but like i can see them over and over again but right. like i'm really bad with faces and i've no. like i'm especially bad with like a celebrity like if someone says the celebrity's name and then you told me to point that celebrity out i i can't do it <laughs> can like, you visualize them um, or no. ones that I have memorized, I can. But like <laughs>
0: ones you've tried to tried to visualize in your head.
1: If you just say like a white male celebrity that I didn't have like a specific crush on as a child, or mm-hmm. like wasn't in a franchise that I really liked, I for the most part couldn't.
0: Can you, you picture Vin Diesel? Like no. I don't know why I'm thinking Vin Diesel. <laughs> it's not really fitting the bill. But like I can't picture Vin Diesel, even <laughs> though I've seen movies that he's in. I want to briefly, I just want to let you know that I only saw like the seventh Fast and the Furious movie and none of the other ones. So in case you're curious,
1: I have made it through my whole life without seeing any of the Fast and Furious movies. And I will go to my grave like that if I can.
0: I think I saw it on a. No, I didn't see that one on a date. I saw one of the John Wick movies on a date, even though I never seen the other John Wick movies. This isn't fun anymore. This is just me talking to my sister. <laughs> What's the other stuff we're doing today? Um,
1: We are reviewing Infinity Reaper by Adam Silvera, and I am Yay. very excited about it. So uh, take us away, group.
0: Well, really quickly, I just oh. want to let everyone know that this is, of course, the sequel to Infinity Sun by Adam Silvera. And so we are in a weird position where we're kind of inherently going to be talking about spoilers from the first book. Yeah. Um, so if you so, haven't
1: read the first book.
0: I mean, we're not going to get into like very specific, like this happens and this happens, but like the synopsis is yeah, going to spoil it a little bit. That's also true. Book. So so just just letting you know. Okay, here it is. Emil and Brighton Ray defied the odds. They beat the bloodcasters and escaped with their lives, or so they thought. When Brighton drank the Reaper's Blood, he believed it would make him invincible, but instead, the potion is killing him. In Emil's race to find an antidote that will not only save his brother, but also rid him of his own unwanted Phoenix powers, he will have to dig deep into the very past lives he's trying to outrun. Though he needs the help of the Spellwalkers now more than ever, their ranks are fracturing, with Maribel's thirst for revenge sending her down a dangerous path. Meanwhile, Ness is being abused by Senator Iron for political gain, his rare shifting ability making him a dangerous weapon. As much as Ness longs to send Emil a signal, he knows the best way to keep Emil safe from his corrupt father is to keep him at a distance. The battle for peace is playing out like an intricate game of chess, and as the pieces on the board move into place, Emil starts to realize that he may have been competing against the wrong enemy all along that was infinity reaper by adam silvera
1: so this book or the series i should say in case you haven't heard of it or don't know anything about it or didn't hear our episode about infinity sun which is the first book in this Mm -hmm. series that came out last year um the whole concept is it is a like contemporary fantasy with lots of action it's like the incredibles meets uh have you read uh, an absolutely remarkable thing by Hank Green
0: no but I need to
1: you do need to it's good um I haven't read the sequel yet but that's my own issue um, <laughs> <laughs> but um I say that because that book is like a sci-fi but like a modern day sci-fi and like social media is really integrated into it um and so these like main characters have like, a huge social media presence, um, and that's, like, a big driver of certain parts of the story. There's TikTok Um, in this book, by the way. There is. TikTok does exist. It's, like, the same universe, except some people have powers um, that are sort of, like, superhero-esque. Like, they're not, like, magic, like, wands. It's, like, magic, like, The Incredibles. Like, some people can, like, fade through walls. Some people um you know can fly and whatever but it's also linked to the stars and like magical creatures like there are phoenixes and hydras and what have you um so it's sort of a lot of different elements going into the book but it's like very grounded in modern day society like it is current day new york that it happens Mm -hmm. in um which i just i think is a fun concept um
0: i love an urban fantasy
1: it's i didn't think i knew how much i liked urban fantasy actually until this past couple months of reading because the last book we read was also an urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um and that was read really good. Really good. Lore by cannot
0: remember. Alexandra Bracken. Because I have you. a book in front of me right now.
1: Um and the book before that was also even not quite modern fantasy, but it was like urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um so we're kind of on that train. But <laughs> <laughs> um all that to say enjoyability for Infinity Reaper, I gave it an easy five.
0: Wow. Now I'm wondering if I should up mine because I gave it a four, but then I just now was thinking about it and I was like, I really liked it like a lot. I don't know if I, well, I think I did like it more than the first one, actually, now that I'm thinking about it
1: i think i did too actually and i really yeah. like the first one we both independently rated the first one our most underrated new release of 2020 yeah. Yeah. um like it because really because for made some impression reason
0: people are sleeping on this and i'm mad about it i don't or know whatever. why
1: people like what you would have as is an issue with this book i mean i Literally. have a couple of things that i like i didn't give fives down the board but right but uh you know i yeah. i think adam Silvera has an incredible job um I have a lot to say about it. I'll let you. You, you gave it a four. Why did you give it a four?
0: Um, I think I'm gonna up it to a four point five. I don't know. I think everything about it was fun. Everything about it was enjoyable. I love the characters. I love the voice. I love Emil. I love Brighton. I love the complexities of the characters. Um, which I can't totally get into without it being spoilery. But there's a lot of like nuance. Um, in a way that yeah is this, very helpful. It makes my heart to, sing the nuance yeah, in this book. Yeah. Um, I love the action. I love the villains. I love the fight sequences. <laughs> I love the world. I just really enjoyed reading all of this. Um, I thought I was going to sort of like have to force myself to finish it because it's a longer book. And I'm not the kind of person that reads really long books. Um, I mean, it's not like really, really long, but it's 500 pages. Um, I'm more of a 300 page kind of guy. And so I thought like, oh, I'm probably going to get tired, but like, I super did not I was just like into it the whole time. Um, so I really enjoyed it. So 4.5, not quite a five for me, I think, because, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, just didn't, just didn't feel quite out of five, but definitely 4.5.
1: So I have a whole list of things (laughs) that I believe (laughs) contribute to the vibe because i passionately like this book um i will say off the top um sometimes when we are reviewing a book i drag my feet to read it because i know it's like an assignment um (laughs) even if i like the book i just something about like knowing i have to read it makes me like put it off thing
0: with like school
1: yeah um i did not have that problem i like every time i wasn't reading i wanted to be reading this and i was like i would get annoyed if like something interrupted my consuming of this um so i'll just say like that i think means that my enjoyability is a five if i if it's truly something i don't want to put down
0: like that's a five
1: that's a big deal yeah um it had like the it factor for me (laughs) yeah um but also i just one thing I will say, and maybe this goes in writing style, but I think it more contributed to my overall feelings for the book, um, is you can tell that this book was written during and post the 2020 election cycle.
0: Oh, yeah. And yeah. I
1: really liked that. The I'm...
0: political element of this mm-hmm. book that I wasn't totally expecting, but no. very there for.
1: Very there for. I am personally not ready for any media that is directly about 2020. Or the Trump presidency. Yeah. I'm just not. It's I'm not in a headspace where I can I'm not, I don't have enough space from it to be able to consume anything about it because I feel like I'm still in it. Mm -hmm. However, I thought that it's not like Trump existed because this is a whole alternate reality. What did what did my cat just knock over?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to find out.
1: It is a red solo cup. It's on his face! It's on his face! (laughs) Photo, photo, photo. It was too fast. He tried to stick his head in it and he got stuck and now his face is wet. He's partying. Oh my god, hold on. I'm going to have to go take it away from him because he's going to bat it around for a while. (laughs) He's pushing it around. He's pushing around with his face.
0: I love that I can hear it. Zeus, hold
1: on. Oh, you're so cute. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I have to take this away from you he's so bored oh my gosh okay oh my god i'm so sorry all right anyway um so i believe what i was saying oh so it's not like trump existed in this book because this book is set in this alternate reality so there are, like, the politicians aren't the same. Like, you know, there was no, like, mentions. Mm-hmm. There were no references to, like, Bush it or like, Obama. wasn't like, and then
0: or... Ted Cruz did this. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But the Republican and Democratic Party still exist. And American politics as, like, an art still exists and as a culture still exists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I actually really liked it because it really grounded the book. Um, I think this could easily just be a fantasy and it would be fun and I would really like it and it would be a good time. But I think Silvera made a choice um, to make it very obviously some form of social commentary because Mm -hmm. the whole thing is that the Celestials, the people with powers are oppressed. Um, And there's a whole like point about false narratives about them and narratives ruling all regardless of the truth. Uh, Social media being like critical to like the political infrastructure. Um, And it's like, it's so close to dystopian, like, or you think it's supposed to be, but then it's also just exactly how reality is.
0: Mm -hmm. And also like one thing I really liked is that the book doesn't just like disregard other marginalizations though. Like, There is still issues of racism and homophobia in the book. Like, it's not about those things, but, like, this world does include also those things. And so it it doesn't become a metaphor for marginalization in a way that, like, would feel, I think to me, would feel like it was sort of... Ignoring real
1: issues. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, like, it having, like, action and it being, like, super fast-paced... Um, And having these characters that are so nuanced and have like nuanced arcs, like not only are they not flat, but their arcs are not flat or predictable, Um, makes it so that even though you can like obviously see its parallels to reality, it feels far enough away from reality that it's like still palatable right now, Mm -hmm. which is a very fine point to have hit. And I really commend Silvera for being able to accomplish that.
0: Yeah, that's really difficult. I definitely agree.
1: There was also, to add to my enjoyment, um, I'm sorry, Zeus is about to jump onto the mounted television onto the wall.
0: Oh, my God. <sighs> Why is he a menace?
1: Because he can't leave this room, and he's full yeah. of energy, and all of his like destructive energy has nowhere to go. Um,
0: he can't leave the room because of the flood, by the way, for people who...
1: Yeah, he can't. Not us. <laughs> there's there's mud everywhere and I cannot let him
0: no, get, get in into that.
1: it. And there's debris everywhere that could hurt him. Yeah. Um What was I saying? Oh, just adding to my general enjoyability, um, Silvera chose to put a love triangle into this book. And you know I have to give points for that. You know how much I enjoy that.
0: Which is fun too, because I don't think of myself as someone who likes a love triangle, but I did like it in this one. I think it was I don't know if smart is the word. I guess smart. It was smart. Um
1: it was smart. It was a good decision.
0: Yeah. It felt warranted and it felt like it added things and it didn't feel like any of the bad things that I normally feel like love triangles can become. Um
1: I think because it's not so. about the love triangle
0: that's true, yeah. That you know. that didn't become the plot was... And then there's this other guy. Like, it was also happening as, like, political things are going on and, like, this other arc with this other character. Um, but I think it added a level of, like... I don't know if grounding is the word, but realism, maybe? In that, like, Emil is a teenager. He's, like, what, just turned 18 and, like... yeah. Ness think... was the first dude that he had like kind of a thing with and then there's this other guy and like the way that relationships are when you're a teenager where it's like I've never really had them before. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah, stuff happens fast.
0: <laughs> stuff happens fast. So and I will talk on about that
1: I note, I'm obsessed with Emile and Ness like individually. Oh my God.
0: I know. I really Ness like as both a of them. so much. Did you did you get the version of the book where at the end there's a short story about Ness?
1: No, I did not.
0: Did you just borrow it from the library?
1: No, I got I got the Kindle version. Oh,
0: oh, you got the Kindle version. Okay, because mm-hmm. I got a physical copy, and at the end there's a short story with Ness, so I'll let you.
1: Maybe it was after that. the like author's note acknowledgement, and you just and didn't just... swipe to it. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, no, Ness as a character is, I don't know what I don't know what it is about Ness so that's so good. But like from the moment that they were introduced, I was like, you're my fave. I love you. I mean, I obviously, I, I love all of them, but, like...
1: Like, he has a tragic background, and he's, like, a reformed right-wing nut for, like, mm-hmm. this this world. What would be right-wing for this world? Um, Who has, like, learned the error of his ways and become the very thing he used to despise. Mm-hmm. I just... He has, like, a very complicated moral history, Situation and I like history. that. <laughs> yeah.
0: I also think I just personally really like shapeshifters. Um, I just always think they're fun that's like one of the best powers so I think also that on top of the like other cool things about his character I'm like yeah and you can turn into other people Ooh. <laughs> but, um, anyway. I want to
1: inform you that Zeus is now going to every cup which apparently there's a ton of cups in here and sticking his paws in to lick out whatever <laughs> liquid may be inside
0: <laughs> just checking he's just cleaning them just wants to know so what'd you give it for balance? Or if you have more things for enjoyability, you can keep talking about them. That's fine too.
1: Um, I was just going to add complex family relationships are great.
0: Oh yeah. I love, yeah. love the family relationships in this. So Love a family relationship. We talked about yeah. that with Infinity Sun about how much we liked that like the, the young adult protagonists, their parents are still like in the picture unless there's like a narrative reason for them. Like their mom is around and they have to like, Account for the fact that they can't just leave their mom behind, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, things like that that you don't like usually that. see in fantasy. Um,
1: they have like friends that they have friends friends with for the whole time, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was gonna say in still in the enjoyability category, I almost give it a 4.5 instead of a five because mm-hmm. it did take me a little while to orient myself to the world again. But I will blame myself for that because I do usually reread a series before a sequel is released because I know myself, Mm. yeah. And I didn't do that this time. Oh yeah, and I regret it. I wish I had reread Infinity Sun, but that's just that is a caveat out there. If you're like me and you forget everything,
0: did you? This might not have been in the Kindle version, but um, in my version at the beginning there was sort of a like, um, a quick like key of like phrases to know and like yes yeah okay, you, i you have I
1: reviewed that but i was more struggling with like events like,
0: okay, uh, okay, okay
1: like what what happened then what, what happened? are they referring to yeah like that kind of thing so okay, but that's yeah. that's more of a me problem so i decided not to dock any points for it yeah
0: but a note to be thinking about if you're gonna pick up this book and you haven't read the first one in a while um balance i gave a 3.5 but i'm not sold on that I think I could be moved up because I really liked, I I do think the pacing was really good. Um, It was very quick. Everything felt very intentional to me. Um, And as someone who I've talked about this as someone whose main problem when it comes to writing is making it not slow as hell. I was very like, Oh, how'd you do that? (laughs) As I was reading it and taking note of the fact that like the pacing was working um but 3.5 felt right i don't know mm-hmm. that's fair what do you think
1: i gave this is unheard of unheard oh. of Uh-oh. i gave balance a five.
0: Oh wow because... i was like that either means you gave it a two or a one. <laughs> one of those things
1: because this book i did the thing where i bought the audiobook and the kindle because i like to switch off right um and the audiobook i didn't really ever see how many pages long it was cuz it had the kindle like locations on mm-hmm. but the audiobook was like 15 hours long mm-hmm. and it kept my attention the whole from time. the second it started until it ended um wow. there was there were no parts where i was not fully checked in um i thought about not giving it a 5 because it just seemed ridiculous but then i like couldn't think of any actual critique and then I remembered that it was over 15 hours long. <laughs> and then I said, no, you know what? Silvera knocks us out of the park. There are like definitely distinct like acts or like mm-hmm. movements. Yeah. Um, but I like that because it kind of breaks it up a little bit. Yeah. Um,
0: Those are good. I Those are useful.
1: wish there had been, and this is something I've only recently started thinking about because you started mentioning it. Right. Like parts. I mm-hmm. almost wish there had been distinct like parts, like part one
0: part and two
1: part two part three um Names just to like them, yeah. break it up mentally but it wasn't necessary this would have been nice since it was mm-hmm. long
0: especially because the chapters are really short and there's a lot mm-hmm. of them yeah um but, yeah, but I, yeah I
1: I like the short chapters because it feels really snappy and I think I don't think this would necessarily work in all cases but there are four different povs and that might seem like a Only lot Only four there are four regular ones it's a oh meal, oh yeah. Yeah, oh. Emile, Brighton, um,
0: Ness, Ness, and Maribel. what is her
1: name? Maribel. Um I
0: thought. I guess I thought there was one more, but maybe I'm crazy. Yeah,
1: I think that's it. Okay. I don't know if they like snuck someone in. For, like, maybe like, they the snuck chapter. someone in
0: at the very end in the last book, and that's what I'm thinking of.
1: Yeah. Um. But what I was gonna say about that is that it's four POVs, and they're pretty short chapters, and it isn't like evenly perfectly switch off like this person then this person this person um Mm -hmm. but i felt that the the four povs kept it moving um so when one set of characters was having downtime the other set that you're hearing from was not so it was really like snappy 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 the entire time because he really utilized those those povs to skip the parts that you didn't really want to hear without mm-hmm. it seeming like unnatural or like it was a montage or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I thought he just did a great job.
0: Dang, well, now i got to give it a four because you've convinced me. Ah, I'm giving it a four.
1: I just think being able to hold anyone's attention for that For long 15
0: hours. I, yeah, I guess a I- a big I, deal. Yeah, 500 pages, 15 hours of content where the whole time I'm like, yes, I'm into it. Yes. And also- being able to juggle I don't know if this goes into writing style or believability or balance but like maybe it's all of them but like being able to juggle so many concepts and characters and things and they still feel like they don't feel disorienting I didn't feel disoriented by them um I mean later when you get into the person who's kind of the other part of the love triangle there's this whole other like concept not whole other but Another world, basically. Um, Another group. He had the Dreamcasters. Not Dreamcasters. Oh, my God. Bloodcasters. And then the Spellwalkers. And then some other groups. And all of them felt distinct and also fleshed out in a way that is really hard (laughs) to do when you have that many characters and that many things going on. Yeah. Um, He
1: did not rely on... um... The fact that it takes place in a quasi-real world, he no. he did world building.
0: Yeah, he said, mm, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I want. I'm gonna make there be like seven different moving parts, seven different groups yeah. of people going like, on."
1: This is not a lazy fantasy. No, <laughs>
0: not at all. <laughs> Expectations. What were you expecting? Would you give it?
1: Um. I'm not going to lie, I forgot to rate expectations. So you talk, and I'll tell you my, okay. my rating. Um,
0: I gave it a four. I was expecting something of the same quality as Infinity Sun. Um, and there were a few plot points I was like, kind of could tell that were going to happen. I guess that's more, I don't know. I don't know where else that would go. Um, But it exceeded my expectations still. Uh, because like we said, silvera knocked it out of the park when it came to just everything about this um so my expectations were not only met they were exceeded and that to me feels like a four but not enough like this is again where expectations gets wonky because i feel like if i'd been expecting a bad book and it was the same quality it would have been a five but because i was already expecting a good book it's just a four instead of anything higher so expectations of four
1: Yeah. I decided to give it while you were talking a (laughs) (laughs) 4.5. And I think this is just a testament to how much I liked it because I really liked Infinity Sun and I was excited for this book. Um, I think somehow I forgot how much I liked the world. I agree. Me. I
0: forgot that too, and I don't know how. I, I remember how. I was like, I do remember that I liked the book, but I don't remember what was it that I liked. Mm-hmm. And then I read this book, and I was like, wait, why, how could I have forgotten? Exactly. This is what I liked.
1: And so I think because of that, I am bumping my expectation score. Um, like it just, I expected it. I expected to like like it, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I expected to like the characters and he did some little twisty turns with some of our faves that i thought was just genius like i'm so glad he basically like i don't think he like punked out you know like he Mm -hmm. was not afraid to take the like maybe harder choice in certain situations um and I liked that. And so I think I like, I, I think he surprised me with things. Um, the quality was just there. I just, I really, I really enjoyed it. So a 4.5. I'm happy to give.
0: Um, have you read any of Silvera's other work? Other than this series?
1: <sighs> I feel like I have, but I'm actually not positive. So.
0: I feel like you would have remembered because he always has mm-hmm. very distinct plot lines. Um. I'm just curious because like I think that also was part of my expectations is like I already have read other things by him that are not mm, fantasy and so I kind of know like what <laughs> what I'm gonna feel <laughs> basically in terms of um is this book gonna devastate me the answer is yes um but yeah you should get into it read some of his other stuff too. I
1: really should because I have loved the two books yeah. I've read by him so like why am um, I not reading his... more things by him?
0: His other book, they both die at the end, has been like, it, I think it came out in like 2017, um, which is not that long ago, but enough that like it recently has been getting a lot of attention, and I'm not totally yes, sure. Yes, like, okay, no, I've why. noticed that. I, yeah, I've been
1: seeing it on like Book Talk. I saw it at Barnes and Noble on. I, yeah, this is why I was about to say I saw it on Book Talk, and then I saw it at Barnes and Noble on the table that was like TikTok favorites. So that's why. <laughs> um. That, yeah, like, I was like, huh?
0: Maybe it's just because people on TikTok were talking about it so much that it, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how it like came back up that it's so good because I remember it's when it new. originally came out. Yeah, but and I remember it did receive like obviously people were into it, but like I don't remember it being as like yes you need to read yeah. this book as it currently is, which I'm very happy about. It's always very nice, um, yeah, to see books that are not like 2017 is not that long ago, but like are not immediately new getting attention because like that's one of the things that is like kind of worrying as like an author who especially I feel like with books like Young Adult where there's so many of them it's like there is this fear of like it's going to get left behind and like if I don't get all this attention when it first comes out then that means the book is a flop completely and so it's always really nice for me to see books like that that deserves the attention to begin with but like for some reason or another didn't get it getting it later on um and finding mm-hmm. the book like finding its readers later on
1: um, I wonder if it's um with coming out with Infinity Reaper and maybe people yeah. just paying attention to him and so that was I assume the f- the most recent book before and this And I'm pretty series. sure
0: there's making they're making a film or TV adaptation of his first book um More Happy Than Not so maybe that's also
1: He's a lot going on for his career
0: anyway um writing style
1: so i gave his writing style a four um this is like for the past we've had this the past few books because we keep reading these like urban fantasies where i say it's not super quotable but it doesn't need to be um you want Mm -hmm. it to be like easy to read and snappy and quick it's not saying it's poorly written because that is its own skill to make something that is easy to read and snappy and quick that still has depth to it. Because I think this book definitely still has depth. Like it still explores like deep emotions um, and trauma and your own self identity and family relationships. Mm -hmm. And it has all these themes that give it um, a really, it's like still robust, but it's not like poetically written.
0: Right. You know, the focus is not on, the words themselves so much as like what it is happening um yeah i agree i give it a four for similar reasons um yeah not a super global cool, book doesn't need to be glad it wasn't i think that it would get... be too much yeah
1: it would lose um, its fast-pacedness if you were getting bogged down in the language
0: yeah you
1: know yeah. Um, I also will say something I did like that Silvera did. I am the pickiest. You probably know what I'm about to say. Hehe. <laughs> about slang. The. Yeah. I am brutal. <laughs> and I thought his usage of slang was just fine.
0: <laughs> That's fair. So. What it. Now, speak on that. I know you've told me about it, but speak on it.
1: I just think that using You're talking slang about slang. Like- in dialogue is a slippery slope. Um, there is a razor, razor thin line <laughs> of what I think is acceptable slang to be used in a book before it becomes grotesque, before it just sounds like an adult trying to sound like a teenager talking. You're
0: talking. You're talking about things like saying "OMG," yeah, lulls like yeah, in dialogue. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, I talked about it a lot. Um, when we when I read like. Period pieces, historical novels. Oh yes, yes. And when authors try and use slang to put a novel in a time period instead of just having characters talk like now, but just about things back then, I hate that. I absolutely hate it. You're not writing for an audience in the 1920s. You're writing for a modern audience. Write for modern audience. Or, alternatively, YA books written by, obviously, adults who are trying to sound like teenagers, and it just sounds like, I'm the cool mom. Um, Right. And I think he didn't do that. There was maybe, like, one or two instances of it, but for the most part, I was pretty, like, all right, this is fine. To be fair, I'm (laughs) no longer a youth, um, (laughs) and maybe the youths would disagree, but from my eyes, it was fine. Which I feel gratuitous. It didn't feel gratuitous. It didn't feel um, pandery, I think. Yeah. Is how it can feel sometimes.
0: I think there's also an element of, like, when you're striking the balance, it has to do, I think, with, like, the longevity of the terms that you decide to include. Yes.
1: You don't want to date it.
0: Yeah. It's about the dating. Um, Because, like, there are obviously – there's obviously, like, slang and things that, like, teens speak, whatever, that has – been a thing that people have said since like 2003 and it's not gonna go anywhere and then there's stuff that is so very clearly 2015 that it's painful um yeah and that's hard and it's hard because when you're writing it you're like oh well it's modern day so I want it to be modern but then things change so quickly that and because you're writing books two years basically before they come out um it is definitely slippery things can get lost very quickly. That's why like it's very hard to include a meme in your book. Don't do it. I don't, don't do think it. I've I don't think I've ever read a book that included a meme that I wasn't like ooh, I know when you wrote this. Well,
1: memes have such a short shelf life. Yeah. Like do not. Yeah. They have like 2 weeks where it's not cringe yeah. to quote a meme. So like yeah, which is not
0: how quick books go. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah
1: know your medium I think, know your medium I think is the lesson there know yeah. your medium I think he knew his medium here
0: yes he definitely does uh, memorability
1: so I gave this a four I feel that I am learning from my past mistakes with this book in that I will remember the world a lot better now that we're two books in um, however like so much happens that I know I'm only going to remember like main takeaways I will remember exactly two events probably maximum yeah. But the fact that I think I'm gonna remember like character names is big because I I do not remember character names, (laughs) so happy to give it a four. I really enjoyed it. I'm leaving the book with like a very positive impression, Mm -hmm. which I think is going to reinforce my memory of it. So,
0: I agree. I also gave it a four for similar reasons. Um, I think it's definitely. I haven't read a series in a long time, Um, and I think definitely being two books in, there's like. It, it gets it gets much easier to remember events and things that happened and world building, whatever, because obviously you just had more time to be in the world. um, And so I also really appreciated this thing at the beginning. I know that you were like still struggling with remembering stuff, but like I read that and I was like, nice. Thank you, Adam Silvera. <laughs> I appreciate this because I totally forgot that X, Y and Z happened in the last chapter of the last book. um, But yeah, gave it a four. I'm definitely going to remember. Uh, he's very good at um. I know I cut myself off mid sentence there, but like, why is he gonna give me with the cliffhangers? He knows
1: how to pull you in for the next book. I don't want it. He's got that down. I want to know. I do think <laughs> I liked this book's cliffhanger more than the first book's cliffhanger. The mm. first book left you off like literally in the middle of a battle.
0: Yeah, because the first day yeah, it love picks that. right up in the middle of it. Yeah,
1: I thought that was a little. A little, it was a little too much. Just it was a little, little too, too cliffhangy. but that is a critique for the first book, not for the second.
0: Book. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't. I agree. This in here. this cliffhanger felt good in the sense that it hurt me, <laughs> in the sense that I'm mad that I have to wait for the next one. But
1: exactly. Anyway. Believability. So, uh, I was about to say that. Ooh. Um, I gave it a four, sort of because there like wasn't really anything wrong <laughs> um
0: just sort of general like oh that's good
1: yeah I was like eh, nothing nothing took me out of the book because that's the thing with believability is you don't want to notice it,
0: it yeah a,
1: a good believability is if you never thought about it yeah while you were reading um so nothing yanked me out really but i that would kind of be a three like you know if it was yanked nothing... a little yeah if it was you know yanked a little bit but like nothing that like totally ruined the experience but i decided to give it a four just because of the extra points i mentioned of like it being tied to current events without it being about current events um and i don't even know if he meant to do that or if i just like because it's something i'm bringing as the reader from my world view But I just felt like it was a really good interpretation of like a what if about our world Mm -hmm. that still takes into account the way our world
0: works. Um, Yeah. So I just I
1: don't know I liked it. Give it a four. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, I gave it a three point five because um, if three is like you were yanked out of it, um, three point five is because the only thing that I felt like wait what about was the timeline, um, not of like the events before but of. The book itself, because there's a part closer to the end where he's like, It's only been a month since I've known so and so. And I was like, Sorry, it's only been a month. Um, and so that that was the only moment of like, wait, now I'm not sure where we are in time. Wait, Um, what
1: who was it that he I think it was like
0: Ness. What? He was like, I only knew Ness for like a month. Oh. And I was like, What are we talking about? And I think it's because It's so fast-paced and things are happening so much all the time that, like, that is part of why when there was a moment to pause and, like, tell me in words, like, this is how much time has passed, it felt disorienting. But it wasn't huge, so that's why it's not a three. Um, So 3.5, that was the only thing I could think of.
1: All right, so that brings my overall rating of this book to a 4.4, 4, and I gave it a whopping five stars on Goodreads, so 4.4 4 feels pretty correct to me. I feel like I always use my Good because I always do my Goodreads score before I ever sit down and do these, because my Goodreads is just my gut. It's just, just what do I feel? Um, So it's always good when my Goodreads score and my Broken Down score, I think, are, are the same, so... Because to me, a four point four and a five are the same.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, my total is of just a straight up four, um, and I don't think I rated it on Goodreads yet, but I'm probably going to give it a five because I'm more lenient with my Goodreads vibes than you are. Um, but that feels accurate to me. So, yeah, nice. What's that? What did What did you say yours was? 4.4. 4. 4. Yeah. Four point two. Get into awesome.
1: it. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good to more me. Than four, I mean, more than four stars. I think this is one of the better books we've read, so that's most right. of our most of our books land in the three point something zone, so this is yeah. good.
0: They usually approach four, but this is like solidly. Yeah.
1: Solidly four. Yeah. Feel good about it. Nice. All right. So that brings us to the end of our discussion of Infinity Reaper by Adam Silvera. Um, if you can't tell, we think you should get
0: this book. <laughs> get the book. Buy the book. Read the we book. We think you should read the book. Listen to um, the audiobook.
1: We really like the book. <laughs> 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 um also a but, beautiful cover. Oh yeah, these these are great. These are great on your little shelf. Um Gorgeous do you have any cover. idea of the timeline for the third book?
0: Oh, no, but I can check.
1: Okay. You go ahead and look that up um yeah. while I am going to Do we want to talk about our next read or the books we're excited for?
0: Um Let's do the books we're excited for first.
1: Okay. So I'll go ahead and talk about some of the books I'm excited for while you figure out that. Um, The first one I'm excited for comes out at the end of the month, next month, and I actually wanted to do it. For our next read, but it comes out on like the twentieth, and like we wouldn't have time to read it and record. so I decided I'm just gonna read it by myself. Um and that is popa show, Papa Show by Leon Ross. Have you seen this?
0: Not heard of this. The no. cover
1: is stunning. Look it up right now, okay i I literally want the cover framed print like in my home. Um, it is a magical realism slash fantasy um that explores this archipelago. Um, I think called Popa Show, uh, where everyone who lives in this archipelago is born with just like a little bit of magic, like just something that's like kind of special about them. And so it is like a, it follows a bunch of different people across one day across this magical little archipelago. Um, and it just, it's supposed to be like very sensuous and lyrical and just like beautiful. Um, and this I just. This
0: cover is insane.
1: The vibes it give off immaculate are phenomenal and it just seems like something i'm gonna really like i'm gonna really like this book i can tell um i'm very wow. excited to read it thank
0: you for bringing my attention to that i had not heard of that it's one it's
1: gorgeous and oh. i want more magical realism in my life because i like it so much <laughs> yep, <laughs> so fair. um there's a second one also yeah um another magical realism because that's just sort of the vibe I'm in right now. Yeah, um start. it's called The Valley in the Flood by Rebecca Muffin. I have heard of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it basically this book uses magical realism and like a metaphor to explore grief and PTSD. Um, And it's about a girl who recently lost her best friend and she's kind of trying to escape her life and her car breaks down in the middle of the desert. And so she walks, I assume walks, I guess, I don't know, I haven't read the book, um, (laughs) to the nearest town that's just Mm -hmm. full of prophets. And she meets a prophet who's like, we've been waiting for you. And also the whole town's going to be flooded in three days. Oh and God. so Rose, this main character, has to confront the death of her friend and her own trauma and, like, resultant pain through trying to save this little town that's going to supposedly be flooded and, like, understanding her connection to it, like, why she was drawn to it at all. And it just looks, I, I just, the that concept really is good. interesting and I like yeah. it. Um, so that's The Valley and the Flood by Rebecca Mahoney. And that first book I mentioned was Popa Show or Papa Show. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, by Leon Ross. So that's what I'm excited that. to read next month.
0: I love that. Um, I'm excited to read The Cost of Knowing by Brittany Morris. Uh, Brittany Morris wrote Slay, which I read recently. So I'm excited uh, because of that, obviously. I've heard of it, Slay,
1: I didn't know there yeah. was anything else out.
0: And Slay was really good. You should read it um, when you get the chance. But uh, The Cost of Knowing comes out um, April 6th, and it's pitched as Dear Martin meets They Both Die at the End. Hi, Adam. In this gripping, evocative novel about a Black teen who has the power to see into the future, whose life turns upside down when he foresees his younger brother's imminent death from the acclaimed author's life. Um, and just, like, already knowing that I really like this author, I'm very excited about it. Um and this is one that like was only on my radar recently. I don't know how I missed it until the past like two weeks, um, but I'm very excited for it. It's gonna hurt me, <laughs> um, but yes, I it think sounds it's... like you're gonna cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. The other one is Between Perfect and Real by Ray Stove, which I have. Okay, actually I think already this one's
1: read. on my to read
0: yeah I'm pretty sure you should read it I already I was lucky enough to receive an arc of it um and so I have already read it and um it's phenomenal it is about a um trans boy who is cast as Romeo in his high school production of Romeo and Juliet obviously um but he's not out and it is about him like coming to terms with his gender and like finding yourself and it's it's so good it's the kind of book that I am so thankful to have out there for trans teens Um, it is a coming out story that you can tell is written with trans teens in mind and like which all of them should be obviously but like I have read other trans coming out stories that tried and failed and this one hit the nail on the head in, like, every aspect it could, in my opinion. Um, it gave me so many emotions. <laughs> um, and I'm so excited for it to be out and to own a physical copy of it because uh, I got an, an e-arc of it. Um, so you should uh, you should read it. That's so tender. <laughs> really good. Um, so that is The Cost of Knowing by Brittany Morris and Between Perfect and Real by Ray Stove. Um, so get into it. What are we reading for our April episode?
1: So I feel like we've been reading, we've been in this like urban fantasy vibe. The stuff that we've been looking forward to I think has been very like wholesome and heartfelt. I decided to yank us out of that.
0: <laughs> you said no, none of this.
1: So uh, next month we're going to be reading House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. Um have you looked this one up? Go look at the cover. It's really pretty, and we say that about everything because I'm very visual. Um, but this is a good oh yeah y a horror fantasy.
0: I have heard of this one um hmm I didn't read the synopsis, but I did enter into the Goodreads giveaway for it. <laughs> I said, I think I'd like this one. Please give yeah. me a free version of it.
1: Well, I do think you would like it. Also, one of the main characters' names is Grey, although <gasps> it is a lady. Oh. Um, Less exciting, they, but fine. She spells Spelled it the same differently. Way? Okay, no, that's fine. Then. The E. Um, fine. So it's about two sisters and the older one, whose name is Grey, um, who just like their whole life have just like weird – things happening to them like something they know something is off about their childhood and there's like something mysterious in their life but they don't really know what until gray the older sister which is weird it's just your your name is gray i know it's so deeply um, anyway goes missing um and so the younger sister iris has to try and find her but in the process like discover all of these things with their childhood um that her older sister was keeping from her but it's, it's it's horror, so the things that they're finding mm-hmm. out are like scary, Horrific. and I think it's just supposed to be. It I think it's gonna be like creepy and like luscious, um, and dark, and I'm very excited about it.
0: That so sounds really good. I'm very so, excited to read it. It's too. called
1: House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. Um,
0: comes out April sixth.
1: Comes out April sixth in a couple weeks. Um,
0: oh, next week. Oh my god. Oh my god.
1: Good lord. I'm ready for March to be over, but it looks really good, and I'm very excited about it, and I, I kind of wanted to just do something a little bit different than what we've been yeah. doing. Um, a little change I of I love pace. horror.
0: I need to read horror more because I know yeah. that sounds weird because, like, you would think that you would – I always enjoy it, and then I just don't read more of it. Oh, yeah. I, like, Why don't I read more of it? I don't know. I
1: really enjoy horror. I don't read it as much as – I went through a phase where I read, like, a lot of it. I think I kind of got burnt out. Mm. Um, oh, yeah.
0: Wasn't that for the um... – the Halloween episode? Or well yeah, I started reading
1: time? it. I started reading it for the Halloween episode and then I kinda kept it up on my own time. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Um, and so I'm like, you know what? I think it's time to sort of
0: get back in there. Dip our little dip toes my in my little there. toes in. In yeah. the whore waters. <laughs> dip our toes in the whore waters. But that's really exciting. I'm excited to read it.
1: Me too. I, I really like this. this switch we made to new releases. I feel yeah. it's it's given us a like some some. Mm-hmm. Wind under our wings. I it's feel invigorated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's moving us forward, moving the plot forward, mm-hmm. as we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll do it for us. Thank you so much. Long for episode. Hanging out with us for an hour and forty minutes. But that's okay because we only do one a month, so we're allowed to do it. For almost oh, that's two hours. true. That's true. Um,
1: yeah, I feel like it was a meaty episode, though. I think.
0: Yeah. There's not a lot be... of fluff in this one. Last time when we were recording, Zencaster deleted because that's what we use sorry to put you on blast Astor, but also i'm not sorry because you deleted our stuff and so if that happens with this i will
1: cry i will cry because i think this was some quality commentary we did yeah so
0: but um hopefully that doesn't happen and thank you so much for being with us you can find us on twitter and instagram at bookend well not instagram because someone else took our username but you can find us on twitter at bookend siblings and on instagram at bookends pod and you can find me at Bulla on Tumblr and Twitter and Instagram. Um, and also you can find me on Goodreads and have my book on yes. Goodreads. Please do that. You cannot um, find me on these things because you I cannot find mercy on these things, but <laughs> because that's I'm a okay. medical
1: student and my social media has to be
0: very quiet, secure, <laughs> and tight and quiet, very professional. So. Meanwhile, I get to be like fart joke yes, and it's like, fine, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, today, I ate a pretzel and it's like, whatever. Um, but yeah, thank you. And we'll see you sometime. Well, we will see you. For
1: House of Hollow.
0: You will listen to us talk about House of Hollow, Mm -hmm. is what will happen, hopefully. Yes. Please do. All All right. right. Bye. Bye.
1: Vocal Fry.